Hello and welcome to Healthbeat Poets podcast. I'm Helen Shepherd, a poet who's worked as a midwife and writes about birth, health, the complexities and joys of caring and those whose voices are often unheard. Healthbeat Poets, for your podcast pleasures, are the spoken word poets who connect with communities around health. Expect fantastic stories. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Hazel Hammond to share their take on poetry and health. Hazel's been inspiring other poets within the Bristol poetry community. Her collection, Needlepoint, were poems from conversations with others about tattoos. Hazel created Marietta's wardrobe work, featuring poems dedicated to a woman's extraordinary wardrobe of clothes. Hazel has been a poet and an artist for over 40 years. In 2018, she had a stroke and now lives with aphasia, a condition shared by over 350,000 people in the UK and affecting their ability to speak, write and read. Drawings and artistic expression have been vital to her recovery. I went to see Hazel's exhibition yesterday at the Arnofini. Her exhibition, Not the Same Poet, but Always an Artist, consists of exhibitions of drawings and photographs at partner venues. Check out the Arnofini. Hazel, it's absolutely brilliant to welcome you to Healthbeat Poets podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I went to see your exhibition yesterday. Although we were, we're recording this podcast on audio, I'm going to put some photos of the exhibition so that people can access all that information oh, that'll be nice. while yeah. they're listening to the podcast. So they'll be able to see the visuals that we're talking about today. But I also think your descriptions will be visual enough. Hazel, why has poetry been in your life? Well, it's been in my life because I feel things like everybody and when you when you think oh nobody else feels like me nobody else knows that I feel like this poems are very good for that sort of state I'm sure many of us went through writing poems during adolescence which is where I started I just didn't stop I did throw them away though because I didn't ah. think they were worth it until I came to Bristol when I began to be part of the poetry group and community and then I started writing seriously. Poetry is all about community. Yes. And that's, and that's right. been really important to you. That's right. I mean the, fir- the first book of poems is a is as you say from the conversations of people who talked about their importance with their tattoos it's often hardly me writing at all it's just me taking their words and twisting a, a little you're a storyteller aren't you that's right yes i tend to be your poems about the tattoos and marietta's wardrobe thinking about the tattoos we haven't got photographs in in that book but your descriptions of the reasons why people are having their tattoos and the stories that they're telling are so visual in your text and i think that's been really pivotal in your your creative life i think i think so and in marietta's wardrobe we use the photographs 
from the catalogue that we made to make the make the poems come alive because they're they're real clothes, they're mm. real coats and, and dresses and so on. And I, I feel that although that we saw the beautiful clothes at the exhibition, each of your poems stands alone in the descriptions of your visual descriptions are so <laughs> excellent that it may be that you feel like you need the visuals, but also your words are so <laughs> clear as well. Oh, thank you. Each time I've heard you read your poetry, your painting a picture and I can always tell a writer who paints. When I was very young at college I used to paint too. I had to come back to the pencils and the and the painting with the stroke because I couldn't read and I couldn't write. So I didn't have any other way of expressing myself and what was going on with me other than eventually knitting again thank goodness and yes. <laughs> painting and drawing and sewing yeah which right. is can you tell us about that wave of how you were being creative before your stroke and how that may that's changed the process of writing a poem i don't i don't have that process anymore my relationship with words is different now, so I'm struggling really to remember how it was. It creeps in the head a bit, I think, as far as I remember, and I couldn't. I just couldn't do that anymore. And also, I've been very both afraid and jealous of poets because mm. they still have it, and you <laughs> you still have it, and Andy still has it and other people I know, and I'm just thinking, you have all that, and I don't anymore. Mm. So there's a real sense of loss around yes, that then. Yes, yeah. So I've stayed away a lot from the poets because I, could, I couldn't stand there and pour tears you know, and do, no, do nothing. And that's partly why I've enjoyed the drawing so much because I could do it in my way and I could put them up and say, see, look. <laughs> and it, it would tell us it would tell a story in a different way, but it would still tell a story. Yes. Would you like to describe one of those drawings? There are quite a few pictures with stars on. Ooh. And one of them is the stars pouring down out of my face and along my cheeks and down my shoulder, down my arms and stopping on my fingers because I had lots of things to think about. Like most people, you don't actually think in words, you just think in think, don't you? Yes. And they poured down, but they didn't come out of my mouth because they weren't words. They poured down into my hands and stopped. wasn't speaking. And it was a while for you to recover from speech, right. wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. And I remember 
you saying at the time that the words tumbled out in and and you weren't sure what order they would be tumbling no, out that's in. That's right, that's right. The stars that you draw on your pictures are very tiny and intricate and different colours. They do feature really strongly in a lot of your pictures, don't they? That's right. They're me thinking. They're thinking stars. Yes, they're thinking. There's a real connection between your head and your hands yes in a lot of your exhibition uh, work well, that's right because i couldn't do the sorts of communication we we're talking about but i could do things with my hands and i learned to knit again Ooh. which helped me learn to count again so uh -huh. i could do ordinary things again which was nice, and turning the pages when you have read a page is, is something too, which the hands do. It's quite a moving thing to me to turn the page because I've read a whole page. Because reading was affected with the aphasia, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that's right, that's right. Could you give us a little insight into what the process of reading for you now? Um, it's very difficult because... I couldn't read a text at first at all. I could read words, but I couldn't make sense of the text and the, how to describe it. Um, it's an elusive thing. We seem to do it so automatically. I, I and tried. And I can, only, I can only describe it, I think, nowadays. Now... When I have a text which is too hard, it looks as if the grammar's wrong. You know, going backwards and forwards, trying to see where the grammar is. Mm. And if I read a German text, I can just hop along to the end of the end of the line like anybody else. I'm really pleased you mentioned German. Can you tell us that story about your when you were recovering? Well. I used to be a very good speaker of German, and my brother is, and my brother thought maybe I would be able to speak German, and he tried it with me, and it worked. It felt a lot better than the English to me. I it flowed didn't... easier. Did it, flow... Did it flow it from you easier? Yes, that's right. And I felt I was, I was communicating better than than any than in English. So we had quite a few conversations. That's wonderful that you had your brother to talk in German. He too. was, yes. And I'm borrowing my sister's German books at the moment to read. Which is nice because it's, e it's easier to read. For you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the drawings that you've done, there's a creature in one drawing, <coughs> a red creature in your brain. A bit like a dragon. Yes, like yeah. a dragon. Yeah. That one's a dra that's actually a headache, that one. And was that part of it getting cracking headaches? Yes, I did. I did I'm having headaches at the moment now. The dragon is very angular and bright red and fills the drawing of your brain. That's right, and he distorts the eyes as well, which I like mm. because a lot of people who have a uh, stroke have 
distortions with their vision as well. And you can see that on the hats that I've done. Yes, your hats, <laughs> you've got quite a, a variety of hats. <laughs> That's right. I'm really intrigued by the one that looks like, from my impression, it looks like a skull has broken open and you can <laughs> see this amazing skein of wool that's that looks like brain material <laughs> and um it looks like an organ and there's a pair of multicolored gorgeous scissors yes that that's the aphasia hat because that's what happens with aphasia you suddenly stop what you want to say either because the words have gone or a particular word has gone hence the scissors <laughs> and as for brain I got that wool from a woman who knew how to colour wool um, nice and... She's a spinner and she spins nice and lumpy. And I said, I want to make some brain, knit some brain. And she knew what I wanted for, in terms of lumpy. And she, her husband is, is a doctor and he said, Oh, I know what colour you want. So it is brain. It's the right colour and it's the right lump. Brain coloured wool. Yeah. Absolute amazing <laughs> texture. Yeah, that's right. And is the the linen round the outside? Right. It's supposed to be the skull. Yes. Yeah. And you <laughs> you made that yourself, didn't yeah. you? Oh yes, I I made all the hats. The stitching that goes with it is so beautifully done. Thank you. That, that's probably one of the hats that struck me the most. <laughs> but there's also a most beautiful one that looks like, uh, it looks like linen that's pink in places yeah. and wound round, but beautifully done and a row of pins. That's right. And what does that Bead. represent? Those are, those are the beads. Uh, those beads are the thoughts going along in, in the brain and they're going downwards and they again are turning going down into the veins and stopping at the end of the fingers because there's a pair of gloves isn't yeah that's there? right gloves and and some wool which is fuzzy fuzzy yes. wool as if it's got little little veins on it as well yeah because it yeah. looks felted yeah. But it's got these veins going yeah, through the fingers. That's right, that's right. Is that about the pathways of your thoughts? Yes, that's right. There's also, I'm going back to the um, the hat with the brain, because oh. on the back there looks like there's a drip of blood. Yes, that's right. On, that's, on the back of your neck. That's right. On, on the one that's got a lump, a red lump. Yes. Yes, that's a stroke and... It's got blood which is bleeding because, like most people who had stroke, they get told off and on that they've had a stroke and they don't remember. And I didn't remember either. Blood. Yes. And, and what does that look like? What does it? it what does it look like? I still don't know, but that's that's what I think. A real creative visual interpretation of having a stroke and recovering from it. Hopefully, yes. your artwork. And um, 
Have you had any, you've clearly had conversations with other people? I have with that one because I was pretty angry that nobody ever, nobody ever told me. Uh, I have found out that they have been telling me, but I haven't been remembering it. Mm. So I asked the people in this group that I belong to, and between 21 years ago and two years ago, they've all said, well, I didn't get told. I didn't get told at the beginning. And so I think it, I think it must be part of the damage that's done by the stroke that you don't necessarily remember everything. Yes. And that's one of the things you don't remember. I and didn't find so out that I had aphasia until I started joining a speaking group. And they all did the same sorts of things about losing the words. And I've got that. That must be, I must have, oh, I must have aphasia. And the losing things comes across really strongly in your work. <laughs> because of my nurse midwife background, I've got a complete fascination in how the body reacts yeah. when it has a really bad onslaught of illness. Yeah. You know, the body wants to survive, but it's got to forget, yeah. make you forget things yeah. so that you can start the process of recovery. Times when we can be so entrenched in the illness, it's mm. hard to yeah. even think about yeah. any road to recovery. I just wonder how you went from realising you had aphasia and starting your recovery to being so creative about it. It wasn't an either or. If you remember it, I couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't speak. I had to do something. I live on my own, so you haven't got people around you all the time to talk. And I have always been, if I may say so, an artist. Ooh. I've always done something, and I get a bit, I get a bit down if I don't have something to do. Anyway, yes. so. I had to do the drawing. You're a huge knitter, aren't you, yes, as well? Yes, that's right. I knitted myself into a cocoon. And knitted yourself out of it by the sound of it as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, I did. Left in, in the arboretum. It's really important to have that bolt hole and that <laughs> comfortable place when you're changing. Because you've gone through a massive change, haven't you? Yes. Yes, I find, I I feel very pleased that someone said a lot of the people I have known who had strokes have changed their personality very much, but you seem the same, and I think, oh, good. <laughs> I would agree. I mean, I met you, it must be over 20 years ago when I did my first yeah. poem. Yeah. had a bit of writing in my back pocket <laughs> and you were there to encourage me to get on stage and share it. And that was my first experience of a poem. And I would say, personality-wise, you are still feel complete. It's And your creativity has gone into new phases. That's right. It's, which is inspiring, but also incredible. It's not so incredible if you think I didn't have any other choice. If I was going to be continue to be an artist, which I apparently am. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> you are then, an artist. <laughs> then I had to go. I had to go on. 
with the drawing and the, and the knitting. And your drawings are very precise. Yes, I, which is slightly different than how I thought they would be and not nearly as coloured as I thought they would be. And my voice is quieter and I am, I'm not funny anymore, which I think is a shame. I'm hoping that will come back. Can you tell me a bit more about your funny, pretty witty, but you <laughs> may not be aware of that. I think I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I can still hear the wit in you and the, the, well, the I, cheekiness. I hope that I hope that will come out. Yeah, I've seen some poems with your ex, in your exhibition alongside your drawings. Well. That's really interesting because people have been so kind to me and said, don't worry, the poems will come back. Look at the things you've written already for your exhibition. I don't think they're a decent poem yet. They're writing and they're nice. There's not much of it. Mm. And I wanted only a little, only a few words in the exhibition. In the exhibition I didn't want too many. The point I was making was what I've written is not subtle. I don't think it's plain, it's kind and it may have a little twist in it but it's not how I used to be as a writer and so I've got quite a lot of things to think about about whether I accept those things in the exhibition as poetry that's the big question as a poet isn't it that's right it's also one of the critics on our shoulder (laughs) mattering in our ear it's a different style for sure yeah and it's much more clipped yeah the writing you're doing the writing on your drawings is also really poignant there's one head bit with a it says clip 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 are they words that came to you at the time when you were drawing them? Yeah. Has anyone talked to you about what that recovery of words may look like? Or are you able not, to just not, travel the journey? Not yet. I'm going to do a, a, a writing course shortly. And I think I may be talking about it then. And it's so important to be with other writers. Something that's been really difficult for you. Yeah, it has. I chose a very short course because I thought if I can't cope with it you know it's only a little it's only a little time so we're like two to three years away yeah that's right yeah and now you've got a major two major exhibitions at Southmead Hospital (laughs) and the Arnafini yeah which the Arnafini is one of the biggest art venues in Bristol that's a massive achievement I'm pleased I'm very pleased I'm Mm. very pleased Have you had a a group of people around you that have been allowing you to be creative but also supporting you with having your exhibition? I have had the most wonderful group of friends and workers. Absolutely marvellous. It's just been wonderful. Um, Liz Clark, Mm. who I knew as an artist and worker before I had the stroke um, has 
been a wonderful producer and Tom Stubbs yeah. has been wonderful. I've never done any work with film at all and I am so pleased with the film, so pleased. Can you tell us a little bit about making the films? Yes, I am astonished that somebody who has no medical training in aphasia, no training in speech therapy, but is just a good technical person with films, managed to get out of the words of my body what we were going to do. I gave him drawings and things. Mm. How did he do that? I don't know. Just wonderful person. Wonderful person. You're also a brilliant storyteller though. So Well without words it's a bit difficult. <laughs> yes. But creativity seems to work organically and quite magically, doesn't it? Yes. So the process of making your films has had sprinklings of magic going on. Yes, absolutely, definitely. And if you kind of sit here in the corner and say, you know that bit, could it be a different colour and could it go a bit faster in relation to that? Do you think so? Yes, I do think so. I'll try. <laughs> Wonderful. Relationship. Yes. Yeah. Being creative in the process. That's right. And how that, how that happened, I do not know. I can't wait to, we're having a, a Q&A. Mm. Oh, I've got and, a ticket. And he's, he's come, he's coming to that. Excellent. And I hope he's going to ask him how difficult was it to work with me. That's <laughs> what I want to hear. Because I think it's wonderful what he's done. He knows and he understands things. That's getting creatives in a room, isn't it, and working together. Um, and you've always been about collaboration, haven't you? Yes. All the way through your That's right. your life, really. That's right. And we and we had fun too. The day we did the photographs mm. with the hats uh, <laughs> was just such fun, such fun to do. They're absolutely joyful to look at as well. What's the one with the the veil and the amazing glasses. It's it's about visual disturbance. Yes. Because I wanted to be as if the people who are looking at it were looking through the hat veil. Mm. And it was all being difficult for them to look and at. It's a red wool. On, or there's something red around the edge of the glass, top of the glasses. That's right, yeah. And what does that represent? Do you do you ever feel your eyes are red when you've been trying to look at something? Sometimes I get that feeling when I'm I feel like I'm hooded. Yeah. Trying to see something that's maybe not there. Yeah. Or is also beyond my reach. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the exhibition, Hazel? Because it's massive achievement. I'm very pleased except that the one in Southmead has not had so many people because you can't go to Southmead unless you're 
visitor or... Because uh, it's a hospital, isn't because it? Because it's a hospital. And there are a lot of pictures down there and eight more for photographs. And how do people get to see the self-made exhibition? Well, we've got a... You can... But you can... Because you, your films are on YouTube, aren't they, as yeah, well? Yeah, What I'll do with your podcast mm. is to put photos that I've taken of your exhibition and also links to the film on the right. films so people will be able to access that right. as well. Yeah. The exhibition's on till December, isn't it? Not really, no. It's on until 31st of October in the Arnolfini and until right. November in Southmead. Yeah, I highly recommend going because I've been visited yesterday and it's a beautiful exhibition, but thought-provoking about our own brain processes and the way we Thank see, see things. And, um, I went with a friend who has had medical treatment mm. on their brain. It's so inspiring for people to be creative with their recovery. I hope so. I do hope so. An awful lot of learning you have to do to be to become yourself again your new self because you're never going to be the same if you've got brain damage no and i know that's one of the hard parts for you to that's right to to accept that's right i want my hat which is the shouting hat oh yes that's what i wanted to shout can you describe your shouting hat got a big dragony head with an open mouth and two short shortish arms and a long pokey tail it's the sort of being that would shower shout if necessary for whatever reason it's good to have in your pocket your shouting hat yeah, except i can't hazel is there anything you want to add about being an artist to because i've been interviewing people from in with all different experiences around poetry and how and one of the things is what tips would you give to other people starting out to be creative and I guess for you it's it's people starting their creative journey recovering in how and it would be lovely to hear a couple of tips from you don't be frightened it doesn't matter what other people say that's art and that that's nice art and that isn't art. doesn't matter your art's the important bit I think that's the important bit and if it's only crayons crayons are good and they're full of color don't don't get into that slushy stuff you know do do the bit that's right for you and gives you pleasure that feels a perfect time to finish podcast and hazel thank you for sharing your take on poetry and how it's been absolute delight Mm -hmm.